to get started here, wait, is Josiah still in here? Did he go out? He went out. Okay. Well, one of the things, did he mention Unite? He didn't? William, why don't you tell us what Unite is? Stand up. Good, strong voice. Um, Unite is a worship night that's happening on campus on Sunday, October 20th. Um, it currently is involving about 20 different different uh, churches and groups across the city to come out and just worship with each other for about three hours and hopefully happen again the next year or next spring or whatever. It's a bit that we hope helps uh, happen every year. That's pretty good. So, so what date is it? Sunday, October 20th. And where? At the College View Amphitheater on campus. Okay. And if you don't remember that, there's a, a, a poster at the front door here, right? And if you see something for a different event called Unite on October 15th, I'm saying. <laughs> William, you know, you are doing such a good job administrating and communicating and working with all that. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> you know, William is William's good at a lot of things. And, and did you know that he's really good at golf? William, would you come up here just a second? I'm, uh, I, I understand you've got just about the near perfect swing in golf. That's right, perfect. <laughs> do, do, uh, do you? What's your handicap? My golf game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, could could you just model a good swing for us? It's all in the hips, right? <laughs> oh my goodness! What have I done? <laughs> No, we didn't. Can we talk? No, go ahead. Turn, turn to the side and do it like you're hitting the ball back out there. That's beautiful. That was near perfect, wasn't it? Yeah, perfect swing. Hey, y'all, that's, that was near perfection. Yeah, you can go, go back. Thank you. That was near perfection, wasn't it? Right? Sometimes when we think about the body of Christ and we think about perfection, we're going to look at Ephesians today because I, I think the Lord's wanting to say something to us today that, that will help us understand what perfection means. We've looked at Ephesians before. I, I've come to the place where I believe that Ephesians, the book of Ephesians and the book of Romans are so important to the body of Christ today. I mean, every book in the Bible is important, but those two just stand out to me. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1. But before we go there, I want us to go down to chapter 4, verse 11. Look what it says here. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity. That ties in with your unite, William. Unity in the faith 
and knowledge of God's Son growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. He goes on to say, when we have that measure, we won't be like uh, waves going tossed here and, and there. We, we, there's a maturity in Jesus that we have because of those five gifts. Y'all, that's the perfect swing there. It's the perfect swing. When, when God, God is waiting to, I believe the trumpet's going to blast when the, the bride of Christ is perfected and ready. He's coming back for his perfect bride. Does per- perfect, in, in that sense, doesn't mean perfect the way that we think of it. It doesn't mean that we are without any kind of sin, but how are we perfected? We are perfected in the unity of our faith. John chapter 17, verse 21 and 23 say the same thing. I and them, thou and me, that's really the Lord's Prayer. That they would be perfected in unity. That the world will know. The answer to missions, the answer to evangelism is to see the body of Christ perfected in unity. Right? So, I want to talk about how we can hit that ball with that perfect swing. Because it's not about perfection. It's about connection. So that's where we're going to go today. Pete, could you get me started with this? Hopefully I'm going to be able to to make this uh, PowerPoint work. Is it coming up? By the way, y'all, do you realize when we get to heaven, we're not going to be doing any more reaching the lost. We need to do all we can right now. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of things that are made complete, made whole. But there's one thing that we can do now that we're going to do in heaven. And that's worship. That's praise. Oh, man. Even this morning, I just sensed heaven invading our time and us invading heaven. And I've thought, what would it be like to hear the, the music and the Instruments, the voices in heaven. What would it be like? And, and, and then I think about the angels that are there that can't understand how we can sing about being saved. They don't know what it means. They don't understand. They look and they see and they wish they could. They can't. But we can sing with a, an intensity because he saved us. And I just wonder if they're not going, hey, man, I wish I could get that lick on the guitar. That was pretty cool. There's something creative in our music. There's something about our worship time. And our desire is on Sunday mornings that not just that we come and hear about God, but that we actually encounter Him. And He inhabits the praises of His people. When we're praising Him, we actually move into that heavenly realm, I believe. Heaven is way up there, but it's also right here. The, the word says that the earth is his footstool, so at least his feet are here, right? So his presence with us, there's a sense that we can enter into heaven in our, our praise and worship. 
And y'all, that's, that's what hitting the ball is. It's all about Jesus. Simply Jesus. Simply Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 says, Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. When we looked at those gifts, those five-fold ministry gifts, I want to, some of you have seen this time and again. You're going to keep seeing it because I really believe this is essential for us to understand that, you know, the, the apostles, there are the 12 apostles. There are those 12. But there is an apostolic ministry in the church that brings the foundation of Jesus. If you look in the dark, you, can, you, 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 won't, you won't see it. You've got to look in the light. To see, that's Jesus. You see Jesus there? How many of you can see Jesus? All right, some of you, you help your neighbor to see it, okay? All you got to do is draw a line under it. Some of you think it's Chinese because you know I write, read and write Chinese, but that, that's actually Jesus. I use that sometimes when I'm going to a restaurant and I say to the waitress, can you, you know what's there? And they, they look and they can't find it. And they go, you can't look into the dark to find it. You got to look in the light. And uh, you finally see the letters, Jesus, there, right? So Jesus is, oh, I did it. Look at there. Now can you see it? Can you see it now? <laughs> Everybody say, oh, that was good, man. I'm going to take you with me. Can you see it now? See, that's what it, whoop. That's what it looked like. But if you look in the light, you can see the name Jesus, right? Well, Jesus, the Ephesians actually says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The foundations of the church are built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. And it says also in Acts that, that, that uh, the disciple, early disciples were committed to fellowship, breaking of bread, house to house... And to the teaching of the apostles. It doesn't say the teaching of the teachers, but the teaching of the apostles. I'm glad. I'm thankful for teachers. But you know, if it was the foundations of the teachers, it might be one of those big theological books that I'd have to carry around. There's something about the apostles that bring, bring it to simplicity of Jesus. It's all about him. Y'all, if we're going to hit that ball with the perfect swing, that that that. Hitting that ball, that ball is Jesus, simply Jesus. Okay? So if we're looking at the five-fold ministry that we see there in Ephesians 4, we understand the apostles are the going ones, the prophets are the guiding ones, the teachers are the growing ones, the pastors are the guarding ones, and you've just about got a full picture of the church, just throw in the evangelists, and that's the gathering ones. They're going out and bringing them in, and you got a nice church with the cross on top of it. But when you have all five of those gifts working together, what God is doing is he's perfecting the body of Christ. And we're made perfect in our unity, not in our conformity. So God wants all five of these gifts working and operational in the body of Christ. Now, I'm not saying, I think there's some, we, we, uh, the person that defines the terms wins, okay? <laughs> and sometimes when, when we talk about, for example, apostle, we may think that that means someone that's up on top of a, some kind of organizational chart and structure that's telling everybody 
what to do. No, the apostle is the one that is like a Rambo, goes in there and digs out trenches. He's the one that gets shipwrecked and beat up and starved and, 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 and stoned. He, he, that's, that's the apostle, the one that's going, the prophet that's guiding, the teachers that are grow, grow, uh, growing, the pastors guarding, and the evangelists giving, gathering. These are all to perfect the saints. That word equipping actually means to bring into completion, bring into perfection. Isn't that amazing? Well, yeah, the apostles and prophets, after you get that foundation laid and that thing's growing, then they start going somewhere else and building. So what the world is wanting to see is Jesus. They're saying we would see Jesus. But right now the church is given this picture. It's not very clear. And we've seen that when you take all of those five colors there and put them together, there's something called four-color separation. If you lay those on top of each other, you end up with the full picture of Jesus. Each one of those are pictures. That's the five-fold uh, ministry there. Jesus the apostle, Jesus the prophet, Jesus the evangelist, Jesus the pastor shepherd, and Jesus the teacher. When you have all of those on top of each other, you get the full-color Jesus. But we need to value those gifts in the way that God is wanting to train us and, and raise us up. All of this is in Ephesians. We're not going to even spend a lot of time on this today. We've talked about the different list of gifts. But see this. Romans 12, motivational gifts, that's about who you are, you and I are. In Ephesians 4, these are, are simply tracks for discipleship. The question is, are you growing in all five of those areas? Sometimes we want to look and see, well, am I evangelist or am I pastor? That's not the picture. If you want to grow into completion and perfection, all of us need to be growing in all five of those areas. So you could actually build a theological book on those five areas, and you're going to end up with a perfect picture of Jesus. And that's who we want to be like, right? And these other two lists of manifestation and ministry gifts, those are simply tools that we use in ministry. The first list is who you are. The next list is, are the, the tracks for discipleship. And the last two lists are tools that we can use in any given situation. All right. So all of those end up making a picture of Jesus, right? The apostle is the, sent by the one sent by the Father, prophet speaking the word of God, evangelist bringing the good news of the kingdom, pastor showing the love of the Father, teacher personifying the very truth that sets us free. Right? So, in Ephesians chapter 1 now, I want you to turn to chapter 1. Let's look at just the last part of chapter 1 and see, starting in verse 22, and he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. We are one body in Jesus. 
I'm reading a book called Replenish right now, and it was interesting. I actually brought it, and I thought, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but one of the chapters in it says, there is no, no I in team, but there is a you. <laughs> so I, I want us to look a little bit in Ephesians chapter 1 and see where the you is in team here. So the Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. I'm using the Holman Christian Bible, uh, if you're wondering. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. So it's from Paul to the saints that are in Ephesus, right? Do you think of yourself as a saint? Because really, saints there, that's you and me. You and I are the saints in this book. There is a you in team. And God is perfecting the body of Christ with you. We are in this thing together. Y'all say, you and I. Yeah. You know, sometimes we talk about other believers and we say, they, they are this and they are that. And they, 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 they are we. <laughs> We are one. And when we talk about united, when we're talking about the perfect swing to lift up Jesus, God is wanting us not to conform to the image of each other, but to find the diversity that he's called us to so that we can fulfill that beautiful picture of Jesus completely. Unity is not seen in conformity. It is actually seen in diversity. So one body is about you and I in Christ. Do you know 27 times you find in Christ alluded to or spoken out in the book of Ephesians? That's pretty strong. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. We talk a lot about him being in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But we are actually in Christ. And, and, and it's like the sculptor that was uh, chiseling out a horse and, and somebody said, wow, how do you get a, a, a horse out of that big piece of stone? He said, it's easy. I just chip away every, everything that doesn't look like a horse. And that's what God's doing in our lives. He's chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus so that we can be unified together as one in the body. Now, some of you don't know this. I'm, I'm going, I've had some struggles this past week. Y'all... <laughs> I, I didn't even know this was possible, but I dislocated my jaw. I dislocated my jaw. And uh, it was painful. But the funny thing is I did it about three weeks ago. And it only started hurting me about five days ago. And I was going, man, this is not fun. I, in fact, I, you know, and Debbie grew up most of her life in Australia and I'm Australia they keep their mouth closed because there's so many flies around they'll get in your mouth and they talk a little bit different I said I'm talking like an Australian these days because I'm moving my mouth but it was painful 
And y'all, I went to a physical therapist yesterday, and she educated me. It was incredible. She spent an hour just talking to me. Did you know that there's a regional interdependency of pain in your body? Because here's what I found out. I've had some neck problems. I've had some shoulder problems, things going on. All of you are moving your necks now. I can see it. You're working your body a little bit trying to get that thing going. But hey, listen. She said this thing. And she, I'm, yeah, I'm going to tell you. Right across here, there's a, a, a muscle. I didn't even know it was there until she grabbed it. And she, and she don't, y'all don't grab it. Because she, I, I reached up to do it afterwards. And she said, don't do that because your artery there is, you'll mess it up. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. But she grabbed this. She said, this is going to be sensitive. And I went, dang, that hurts. And then she did something here. And the next thing I knew, on this side, my neck was hurting. Holly's laughing because she knows all about that, don't you, Dr. Holly? <laughs> so oh, she's going, you're in trouble, Johnny, for calling my <laughs> So she's messing with this side, and this is the side that my jaw came had been dislocated. And all of a sudden, on this side, my neck was hurting. So she starts working on this, and she said, actually, what happens on this side affects this side. It goes from this side to this side. Weird, huh? It has felt like there was a worm in my left shoulder blade for a long, long time. Just like always moving. And she said, that's connected to this thing over here. It goes down into your shoulder blade. And while she was working on this, she bumped this here. And she said, oh, that's this. And she told me what that was. And she said, do you realize there's a muscle that goes from under your shoulder blade and comes all the way to the front of your shoulder and it's connected there? I went, are you kidding me? And she touched it again and it went all the way down my arm. Now she says, this right here, but what's, your, what's your first question when you find out I dislocated my jaw? Come on, be honest. What did I say to mom, right? That's, it, it's, did Debbie hit you? You know, what, what happened there? <laughs> yeah, that's the question, right, Jackson? Good question. How did you do it in the first place? How do you dislocate a jaw? <laughs> Some of you are going, yeah, overusage. <laughs> right? <laughs> Debo, don't laugh so hard. <laughs> Hey, get this. When you've got problems in your shoulder blade and your shoulders and you're tightening up, all of that affects the muscles that come up to your jaw. And there's a regional interdependency that goes on that makes the pain that's here affect this here. And I, when the doctor asked me, how'd you dislocate your jaw? I went, I don't know. But I know, I can remember when I did it. Because it came out, and y'all, I couldn't get it back in. I tried to wiggle my jaw to get it. Man, some of y'all are yawning. Be careful. <laughs> I had to physically reach up and grab my jaw with my hands and pop that thing back in about three weeks ago. I don't know how it happened, but listen, I know this. If you're messed up in the body in one place, it affects the rest of your body. And that's happening in the body of Christ. And we need to stop 
making the emphasis about how sinful we are and start finding what Jesus is doing in the body of Christ so that we can be one. Right? We are perfected by Jesus in unity. Y'all, if you want the perfect swing, don't think about your swing. It's not about the perfect swing. It's about connection. So what we find in Ephesians is Paul setting us up for something. It's you, you and I are a part of the body of Christ and what he's doing is he's teeing it up for us to be able to hit the ball. So William, do you happen to have a golf club? Would you please go get a golf club, please? Thank you. So we're going to look at William teeing up a golf ball, and I'm going to get out of his way. Because see, what we find in chapter 1 of Ephesians, Watchman Nee wrote a book called Sit, Walk, Stand, and that's a good summary of the whole book of Ephesians. Seated with him in the heavenlies, walking it out, and then standing against the enemy. When you've done everything, uh-uh, you do it over here. I'm moving over here. Yeah, put it down right there. Let's uh, hang on a second. So let's see your, your swing again. Pearson, Piper, so if y'all better be careful. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Do that again, man. You see, what God is doing with the perfect swing, y'all, do it, keep doing it. What he's doing, <laughs> what he's doing is he's setting us up to be able to hit the ball well. And in chapter 1, we're getting set up to be seated. You can't stand if you're not seated in your salvation. You can't walk if you're not seated in your salvation. It starts, base 1 is, to be born again. So, Tee it up. Would you tee it up? Look, if you don't, if you don't get teed up right, you're going to get teed off. So, uh, it's, he's got it teed up there. So, are you teed up? Teed up. All right. Come on. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you hit Debo. That's the wrong guy to hit, man. <laughs> so that was a ping pong ball. You done. Thank you. Y'all give William a round of applause. <clears throat> what God's doing in Ephesians chapter 1 is he's teeing us up for something. But the body of Christ, we don't realize that. We don't realize that, listen, y'all, it, it, it's really sad. It, it's a wonderful thing to have so many versions of the Bible. I love that. You know, I'm, I'm in home in Christian Bible. I'm actually changing and I'm going to do the New King James Version for a while. I'll be preaching out of that for whenever I get a chance to. By the way, the design of our preaching up here is to so that we can see the fivefold ministry in action. 
okay? I'm not just the pastor. When we first started with New Horizons, I said, don't call me pastor. I'll call you one right back. Because we're all meant to be the pastors. We're all meant to be the evangelists. It is for the training of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Oh, I have got to get a high five over here, Brother Harold. I like you, dude. All right. All right. See, when I'm going to stand over here and say it. <laughs> hey, that really works for us street preachers that you know, came up in the street preaching. I like it when they say amen or even if they fight me. Just don't go to sleep on me, all right? Okay. So five-fold ministry needs to be happening. What it's doing, God is setting us up. He is teeing us up so that Jesus can be exalted over the city. So let's look. Let's look at, at Ephesians chapter 1. Boy. Y'all, look, I tell you what. Let me just do this. I'm going to go to this. Every time we get together, you need to be asking these three questions. Because of what God has done and said in our time together encounter, these three things. What is going to change in my life today? How am I going to change? Because the word of God should make a difference, right? Second of all, is there something broken or hurting or messed up in me that needs some healing? Respond to him in that. And third of all, how am I going to walk this out? What's this next week going to be like? How do I do it? And I've got, I've got Ephesians chapter 1 all written out here. And it's got blanks wherever there is a pronoun so that you can insert your name in. And I want to encourage you to read this every day. Read, Psalm, uh, read Ephesians 1 every day for a while and let this saturate you. Here's what happens. We've got all these different uh, versions of the Bible, and so <clears throat> we've hardly memorized anymore. It's hard. I love the different versions, but y'all, I actually memorize in King James because it's kind of poetic for me. And it's what I started out with, and it's a good, good translation. But pick a version and memorize it. I went to the dentist the other day, and while they held the guard up. I have to sleep now with a night guard because of the dislocated jaw. And while he held it up there, he's one of my dear brothers. We went to school together. He said, he quoted scripture over me while he held the, the, the mold up there. And I thought, when has that happened? When do people quote scripture? Y'all, we try to get it into our hearts, but it's got to go through your mind to get into your heart. If you don't take your brain and open up your ear gateways and eye gateways and mouth gateways to get the Word of God into your brain, it will not transform your mind. You cannot lay your head on your Bible at night and just get it by osmosis. There needs to be a transaction where the Word of God gets into us. And here's what's happening today. We carry our Bibles in our pockets, in our purses, in our backpacks, but it doesn't get up here because we don't meditate on it. We don't spend time memorizing it. And God's waking us up. Listen, if we want to be perfected, we've got to get the truth into our noggin. 
It can't get to your heart if it doesn't get up there. So we need to be people of the word. And we need to be taking the Bible and go precept upon precept, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us and show us. Y'all, take that paper this week and read over it, putting your name in there and substitute your name. It's going to feel a bit uncomfortable because too often, instead of calling out the pearls that God has put into us, we go garbage collecting. And anybody can be a garbage collector. God's wanting us to be pearl divers. When's the last time you called yourself a saint? Some would say, oh, this is not about us. You're right. Who's it about? Jesus, right? What if Jesus has a time where he wants it to be about you? Is it okay for it to be about you there? Because there is a you in team. And we need to be able to pearl dive in each other to draw out what God's kingdom is already, what is already happening in God's kingdom in our lives. Paul said saints. Did they have problems? Yes, they did. Were they sinners? Yes. Did they, did, could they crawl across the floor and so, uh, say, oh, such a worm am I? Yes, they could. But he called them saints. When the saints starts calling, start calling other saints saints, we might just have revival. That may be the perfect swing that sets it up for Jesus to be lofted up into the heavenly realm where the city gets it. So that the world will know. It's not perfection, it's connection. It's the connection. If you look at chapter 1, you will see so many times the we, the us, the you and I together. And y'all, the picture of the body is all throughout it. Oh my goodness, thank you Lord. Well, look. Let's just do this. We need to get teed up to exalt Jesus. Who are we exalting? We're exalting Jesus. Right? Get it. You, point to me. You and I, you and I, teed up to exalt Jesus. Right? It's all about exalting Jesus. So you and I teed up to exalt Jesus. Hey now. Y'all, we don't unite to unite. William, you have the perfect swing. You're administrating the unite. It's not about unite, is it? But it is about you and I teed up to exalt Jesus. Right? Okay, you can laugh. I know it's corny, but you're going to remember this. Right? For some reason, this didn't do it exactly like I lined it up to do, but, but that's it. That is the full picture there. So what's God saying to us? What is it that needs to change? <clears throat> Y'all, we have, we have husbands and wives that are gar garbage collecting in our community. 
rather than calling out the saint that's in the other. When we're parenting, are we finding what God's already doing in the hearts of our little child and our little sons and daughters? When we're in relationships with each other, are, are, are we garbage collecting or are we, are we pearl diving? It's you and I. And if we looked at, the, at this, this whole first chapter of Ephesians, you would see this incredible. We've got to do that. Let me just do it real quick. No, we can't. Y'all, look. I, you know, I know that God's going to bust us out of a time mold. And there's no telling. One day, for, for God to do something new, it means that some things have to change, right? <clears throat> so I'm open to that. But I, I, I really want to... Make it so that those that have to go somewhere and do some other things, if they need to, they can. I'm going to just put these out on, have somebody put these out on the welcome table out there. You can pick one of these up and you rehearse what God says about you in the first chapter of Ephesians. You do that, you will have a revival yourself this week. Rehearse the truth of what God says. And now, if you mess up, you can say, stop acting like that because they ain't who you are. Stop acting like a child. That means something. First, it means that you're not a child. <laughs> Second, it means you're acting like one. Right? So, uh, Ethan, would you go put those out on the thing so I'm not lying to anybody. That's, that's going to be out there. Ethan will put it on the welcome table. If you hadn't filled out one of those cards to do that, we want to keep up with you. Y'all, Ephesians is rich, and there's no way that we could do the whole book justice. But if I can just frustrate you a little bit and make you so that you have to go look at it, then I'm going to be a happy dude. Because God is wanting us to get the word out of our back pocket and out of our backpack and out of our purse and into our heart and it needs to go through this mind. Can we agree to be people of the word of God? Let God shape us, develop us. So thank you, Ethan. So that we can be what God's called us to be in this day. Let me just tell you. You know, on Wednesday nights, this room is transformed. It really gets crazy in here. And you really would like to be a part of it. Ethan's parents are here. I want you to know, Ethan and Malia, they're crazy. You know that, don't you? And yeah, <laughs> you passed them over here. We got them. All the way from Albuquerque. But, it, you know, things that we've been seeing happen, God developing over the years, uh, God's taken us to a new level. Ethan and Malia are doing some crazy games, and folks yell and scream and do all kind of crazy stuff in here. I don't even want to come in when they're doing that. I'm afraid somebody's going to get hurt, and you know. But it, it's it's fun. I know it's fun. But when when our our students get up and lead in worship, y'all, I want to tell you, the presence of the of God is intensive in this room. So much so that when the word is brought, people respond. Let me just tell you, this last Wednesday night, 
the front was filled up with young college students praying for high school and, 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 and junior high and even some elementary. There, 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 there were high school students. There are, there are high school students that are meeting that are being raised up to lead out. And it's like a ripple effect that's going through the body of Christ here. It's a bunch of different churches that are a part of. 79, we had 79 people in this room last Wednesday night. The week before that, there were seven kids that, that were born again in this room. Yeah, you can clap. Come on. The week before that, there were three. The week before that, there were four. Listen, God is stirring, and he's stirring in this city. He's stirring in the body of Christ. It's not about one church location. It's not, not about one name. It is about Jesus. It's about Jesus being lifted up. And if we, as the body of Christ, want to have the perfect swing, we're going to have to connect. We're going to have to connect with each other. We're going to need to walk with each other. We're going to need to call the kingdom out of each other rather than fighting and dividing. We need to stand up, stand together, perfect swing, all focused on Jesus, connecting, and we will see Jesus lifted up over this city. The prophecies that God has said to us that we've been believing for years. We stepped into a ship that was already moving. Y'all saints have been praying on this territory for years. They've been asking God to move. The Choctaw Indians who were here before the Westerners were cried out and said, How do we get to God? Send us a missionary. And, and, and the American Board of Foreign Missions sent a, Cyrus Kingsbury back in 1819. He came to Octibiaw County to be the missionary to the Choctaw because they requested it. Put that in your anthropology course and smoke it. <laughs> this is not us coming and imposing something, y'all. This is the cry of every heart in this world. Everybody is yearning for Jesus. They don't know it. They're waiting for us in the body of Christ to come together as one, to unite, to lift up Jesus. We don't come together to come together. We come together to exalt his name. It's happening, folks. It's happening. What's your answer to him today? Is it yes? This is a holy moment. Jesus, you take your place. We surrender to you.